Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This week's episode of Book Cheat is brought to you by Audible. Right now, for a limited time, you can get three months of Audible for just $6.95 a month. That's more than half off the regular price. And all you've got to do is go to audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hello and welcome to Book Cheat, the book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to. My name is Dave Warnicky. On each episode of this show, we look at one of the classics. And on each episode, I give two special guests a cheat book to that classic. So by the end of this episode, both you and they will be able to pretend you've read it. Lending me their ears today from the fantastic Don't You Know Who I Am podcast, it's Josh Earl. Good afternoon or good evening or good morning whenever you listen to this. Thanks for having me, Dave. Thank you so much for coming here. And uh, Josh is joined today by one of my absolute favourite stand-up comedians and one of my favourite guests on Josh Earl's podcast. It's Laura Dunneman. <laughs> Hello, Dave. Hello, Josh. Hello, Hi. Laura. <laughs> Can I say, this is a great podcast idea to get Year 12s to listen to it. Aww. I reckon for years and years and years you're going to have VCE students or HSC students downloading your episodes if it's their book to It's so true exam. because I didn't read one of my books in year 12 and I fudged my way through a whole semester without reading it because it was the- so boring. The Wife of Martin Gare ah. is so dull. Well, it's had- like so dull and I really, I like, I really messed my way through it. Without I the, reading I it. did the same with Margaret Atwood's Cat's Eye. Didn't read that. you got to give yourself a pass. Yeah. You know? Well, you, you Just reckon give you can yourself a day pass have with one. It. Yeah, one. exactly. Yeah, this is in Year 12 Literature. We had to read Tess of the, Tess of the D'Urbervilles, um, Oscar Wilde, Importance of Being Earnest. Uh, Good one. Cat's Eye. And there was one more I can't remember. I read three and not cat's eye. I thought, oh, the exam, I'll just do three of them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You just have to fudge your way through the classes. Yeah. That's all. Did Mm. you enjoy the importance of being earnest? I love the importance of being earnest. (laughs) Not at the time, but looking back on my year of uh, literature, I went, that's the one I liked the most because I just didn't like any of them. Yeah, sure, sure. Tesla D'Urbervilles is all what's not on the page. And it's like, well... Put it on the page. Yeah, then. put it on the page. It's important. Oh. Put it on the I can write page. a book where the important stuff isn't yeah. on the page. We had, um, we had the movie Gattaca oh, as a oh, possibility, yeah. which was Ethan like Ethan Hawke. Yeah, Ethan Hawke, Uma, Uma Thurman, Thurman. Oh, Jude big fan Law. Of Uma. Big fan. And we had, um, I think maybe Girl with a Pearl Earring as yep. well. But the fact that we could do it on a movie was just like yeah. hello. In year eleven, <laughs> we had the Breakfast Club. It was so great. What? Yeah, that was such the a Breakfast good, Club. Yeah, every like for two weeks, just going in and watching the Breakfast Club. Again. That is such a good movie to yeah. study. But, but watching and it in relevant. twenty minute increments. No, we wanted <laughs> yeah, to do that. We, you, they'd wheel the TV in and then put it on, and then by the end of the period, like, stop. 
Come back again. So it, take, it took two, two stop-start weeks to watch a film. And, and if you're away for one of the days, you came back in, you've dismissed half an I hour. I think we, like, did that. we did that with The Power of One. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, because that was a long movie and I remember I remember the TV being wheeled out quite a few times. Those classes were the best. I haven't seen The Power of One, but I do find it weird that the story of apartheid was written by an Australian man. <laughs> Yeah, that's it's, interesting, it's a, isn't it? Was Bryce Courtney, did he grow up in South Africa at all? I'm, I'm not or? sure, but I just find it weird that it was. The South African accents in it are like spot on. They're really thick, really fab. Mm. <laughs> thick, fab. Now, yeah, I asked about movie. the importance of being earnest. And I'm sure I've talked about this on my other podcast before, but um, when I was in uni, uh, the student theatre put on the importance of being earnest. And one of the uh, like big lines in the play is, I'm oh, Hamburg. <laughs> 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 I love the overacting, but the um, one of the big lines is, uh, I now know the importance of being earnest. Yes. Pun on their name. My friend was doing the role. He accidentally said his own name. <laughs> <laughs> I now know the importance of being Dom. I mean, earnest. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. I do love it in a play or a book or a movie when they say the title of the f- of whatever it is. In the book or on stage, oh. it's always like a bit of a wink. Yeah, it's kind of like a about. comedy festival show, yeah. isn't it? A comedy festival show that someone has written the blurb before they know what it's about yeah. and so then they ha- just, all they have to do to make it relevant <laughs> is to put the line of the show yeah. in what they're talking about. It's the same thing. <laughs> and that's when I knew I was a cheese ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, aren't, we, aren't we all bamboozled? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks, tell your friends. <laughs> Oh, dear. Right, so uh, you guys skipped a bit of reading in high school, but I always ask my guests at the start, do you read much now or at any point in your life were you a bigger reader? I was a way bigger reader when I was working as a librarian. That was when I was reading. Sure, that's required, right? Uni and librarian. Like So for 10 years I would read like a novel every two weeks and then... Which is the aim of this show for me, so that's good to hear. And then Twitter came in and I just that ruined me. I just can't read anything Did you like to read before Betty Buys? No, I don't like reading in bed. Once one page is comfortable, the other page is not as comfortable. Yeah, it's true. And you so, can't get yeah. yourself in a good nook or yeah. cranny. Mm. Mm. Good, good hammock read is nice or like a sunbed read. Yeah. I'm a real holiday reader. Like I'll, I'll read something very, very intensely on holidays and then as soon as I get home I'm, I'm out. But I've recently, I'm a massive um, Harry Potter nerd, like I I did all the Harry Potter books. I've read all the Harry Potter books multiple times and then I read them backwards. Like I didn't read the words backwards. <laughs> it's like you're trying to find some hidden meaning. <laughs> like when you play the Beatles backwards, yeah. isn't it supposed to? You're like, this would be great if it was like the movie Memento. Let's read it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I, it made me realise that I'm actually into crime fiction because oh. then I read J.K. Rowling's books that she wrote under Robert Galbraith, which yes. was just they were just crime fiction books, but I really enjoyed them. So now I I can't get enough of um of crime fiction. That wasn't a very big secret for long, was it? That she was writing under a pen name. No, it yeah. wasn't at all. I, I actually put it out and went, oh, this isn't doing as well as I thought. She's hey, just released really a, exactly. <laughs> she's just released a new one under his. Yeah. Name, but as now well. it doesn't. Now everyone knows it. Everybody yeah, knows, it's her name. and also on the back of the book it says now, yeah. In brackets, JK. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it was just like a mental thing for her that she just needed to like. Yeah, I think maybe it came out for a little bit, got some good reviews. Yeah, and then she was like, okay, there you go. There's I a lot am of pressure a good, for it to be yeah, good. Yeah, I'm actually exactly. a good writer. Okay, yeah. I've proved that now. Yeah. yeah. 
And obviously, cheers to you because you're a big fan of both. Yeah, it made me realise that it wasn't just like Harry Potter that I liked. I actually quite like her writing. So, And then, yeah, it got me really into crime fiction. So I don't read a huge amount at home because I, I, I think it's a thing also with people that are creative and people that write as well, like writing comedy and that kind of thing. I just don't have the brain space for it really. Do you find the same? I always think that the more you kind of take in, the better you become. I think a lot yeah. of writers like oh. To be a good writer, you got to read a lot. Mm. But also, I well, I've got two kids and yeah. I do a podcast and do comedy and work. I, don't have I'm like, any just kids, don't have much but I time. I like TV. Yeah, exactly. I like... Well, I reckon TV's got a lot better as well, though. Yeah. So in the olden days, when it was a country practice two nights a week, that was the only thing you'd watch. <laughs> and now it's like you just there's too much TV. You can't take it all in. So mm. I think oh, TV, it's it's come become a blur. I also think if you're a really good writer, you're going to try and get into TV because that's where the money is. That's so, so true. And to be a good TV writer, surely you have to watch a lot of TV. Yeah, yeah, Laura. So justified. Yeah. Well, if exactly. you want to be a TV writer, I don't really, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now uh, today we are reading uh, an American classic. Well, I'm going to give you the cheat book to it. Uh, John Steinbeck's Of Mice and Men. Mm. Now, I did ask you before the show, but neither of you have read read this book. No, I've not read it. I have seen the film starring John Malkovich. And you were mixed reviews on John's portrayal. Look, I just think... Um, I don't know what to say about it what, on air. Uh, I think he's uh, he's too committed to the role. Sure. Tone it back a bit, John. Not John. Uh, turn it back a bit. Yeah, John Malkovich. Yeah. yeah. His name is John. Yeah. You don't, it's like one of those famous people that you forget that their name is yeah. It's just a regular name. <laughs> it's just John. Oh, no, it's John. If I met him, I would call him John. <laughs> like John Malkovich's uh, performance in the movie Rounders, have you seen that? No. He's got an amazing accent that you just think on the first day that must have been, really? You're really going to go with this for the whole movie? <laughs> All right. Okay, you're John Malkovich. Really? We'll let you do it. Yeah. I do love John Malkovich. I love him in um, he's really scary in in the Line of Fire. Yeah, with Clint Eastwood. Oh, Have you a, seen that? He's a great psychopath. Oh, he's such a good psychopath. Yeah, just looks dead in the eyes. He's a lot got of the dead time. eyes. Yeah, it's just like whoa. Yeah, but then I just wonder what he's like in his personal life. I reckon intense. Like I reckon a lot of actors. Imagine John Malkovich in the shower. Yeah, does too- he sing? <laughs> Does he write on the wall? <laughs> He's just got dead eyes in the shower. <laughs> yeah. Just staring off, sham- shampooing a bolt. I'm not sure if he's a method actor or not, but that always makes me go, nah, you're, you're an idiot. If Who's you're, the like, guy that's the big time method? Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. Oh, Pretend right. to be Abraham Lincoln like for he, like, like a year. I'm like, come on. And mate. won't like, wear modern yeah. clothing and gets pneumonia yeah. and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Like, really? Yeah. I mean, he's won Oscars. Yeah, three. Also, more than anyone else. So, But also it is bullshit. Yeah, he's wasted a whole year pretending it was like 1812. Like just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's it's a lot of commitment. But then yeah, you hear about him in um, My Left Foot, his first Oscar-winning role. Yeah, and he asked to be carried around the set. Yeah, did he? Yeah, so he didn't wow. use the use his left foot. But then I'm wondering at home, he's married. Yeah, to Arthur Miller's daughter, which is really very, very crazy. Because then he was in The Crucible, the film based on his wife's father's play. But maybe oh. that is how they met. Possibly, but yeah, what's he like at home? Yeah, is he yeah. pretending to be Abraham Lincoln at the dinner table? Yeah, when he goes home after a day's and filming. also you're just playing pretend, mate. Like yeah. it's uh, you're acting. There's, yeah, 
people putting makeup on you and every morning. Yes, you, you can't be like. It can't be that real because there's a director yelling, cut, stop. Yeah. Can, sorry, someone ra- walked in the background. Can we start again? You can't just be like, stop, stop what? Yeah, there's someone. I'm just talking. Well, the, if he's really pretending to be Abe Lincoln, he's going, why is that guy holding a stick <laughs> with a microphone on it? What is a microphone? Yeah, exactly. Like, he's just he's questioning yeah. everything. What? He would be like, um, he would be like Hugh Jackman's character in that romantic comedy film where he comes from the past and he's confused about modern life. Kate and Leopold. Yeah, that's yeah. what he would be like. He'd be like, what is this microphone? What is this? Like he'd be really confused all the time. I would have went with Encino Man as my oh, reference. Oh, Encino Man. That's a better <laughs> reference. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. Of Mice and Men. Of Mice and Men. So it's, it's quite a short read. It's a novella technically, not quite a novel. Oh, but I really I um I enjoyed enjoyed this. So I, I I'm going to ask you to review it at the end of this yep. review out of five. Just a bit of historical context. Of Mice and Men was written by American author John Steinbeck, and originally published in 1937. It is one of Steinbeck's most famous works now, alongside East of Eden and The Grapes of Wrath. There is two more famous full-length novels. Uh, the title of Mice and Men is taken from Scottish poet Robert Burns Robbie Burns' poem To a Mouse, which reads. The best laid schemes, oh, mice and men, gang aft agly, which translates as the best laid schemes of mice and men often go awry. And uh, as you can see, there are some laid schemes in this book. So let's get into it. Chapter one. Now, uh, the book opens with two men walking towards a beautiful riverbed in 1930s Outback, California, dressed in denim. These working mm, hello. men. Hello. I know. <laughs> You're thinking, oh, a bit of a Justin Timberlake. Who would play them? Oh, well, there's a film already, there's, so we I think don't there's need a few to. Films, though, right, yeah. okay. Yeah, there, there are a few, but the most recent one is the John Malkovich. And I'll tell you which character John Malkovich is, and you'll know what Josh means about overcommitting. Uh, these are two men, are our main characters, George Milton and Lenny Smalls. Lenny Smalls is like John Malkovich. That. Lenny Smalls. I wonder if he's got a small dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's rather an ironic name because Lenny is a huge man. Oh, probably yeah. not. It's and we really can presume he has dick. a huge penis. <laughs> uh, George, on the other hand, is much smaller. He's got a small <laughs> dick. Hey. <laughs> yeah, you're talking to two quite small men here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Uh, so George is the smaller one, but he is the leader of the two. Uh, George and Lenny set up camp after a long four-mile walk. The big guy, Lenny, has to ask George to remind him where they are going, and it becomes obvious to the reader that Lenny has a mild mental impairment and has real trouble remembering things. Okay, so I think I'm getting what you mean by John yep. Malkovich going a bit too far. Yep. Yeah, okay. maybe a little too hard. Yep. I haven't seen the film, but I'm As imagining. Robert Downey Jr. said in Tropic Thunder, you're not going to win an Oscar like that. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so Lenny's asking, what, what are we doing, George? I'm sorry, I've, I've forgotten. Um, the language is great. It's sort of um, 1930s, uneducated American. They're from the, from California, but, you know, you imagine people from the South talking and that's how it's written out like that. So you George, can... what are we doing out here? That, exactly, and it's written out that exact way. In so the desert. Even <laughs> when, you're, like yeah, when you're reading it, you're like, oh, I can, I can get the language. Yeah. A bit of a drawl, a bit of a southern drawl. Yeah, a bit of a drawl. Uh, George tells him in his own drawl that they're going to work at a nearby farming ranch and tells Lenny that he must be on his best behaviour when they meet their new boss. He also tells Lenny that when they meet their new boss, Lenny should just stay silent and shut up and let George do all the talking to avoid getting them into trouble. And uh, while speaking, George notices Lenny is a bit distracted. He's playing with something in his pocket. (laughs) Laura. 
<laughs> oh, is this a big dick reference? Yeah. He's got big dick energy. <laughs> and he's got, he's got big dick energy. <laughs> well, he makes Lenny hand it over whatever he's playing with. Oh, right. It turns out to be a dead mouse. Ew. Just playing with it in his pocket. Lenny right. claims, I didn't kill it, but I found it and I like the feel of the, the mouse's fur. He just likes rubbing his hand along it. Mm. George cracks it and throws the mouse across the stream so Lenny can't play with it anymore. But moments later when he asks Lenny to go get some firewood, he disappears into the night and George hears him dive into the stream, <laughs> obviously to find the dead mouse. He really wants Where it is this book going? <laughs> no. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Mm. Uh, when he returns to the campsite, George again confiscates the mouse and throws it away. So he found it. Yeah, he, did, he gets the mouse. That's a... Pretty good effort. Pretty, uh, in the dark. Like, yeah. yeah. Instead of needling a haystack, mouse in a river. <laughs> yeah, it's a mouse in a river. That yeah. thing's going downstream. And George is like, what did, did you think? You, no, I wouldn't know what you're doing. You're all wet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lenny then remembers that during his childhood, his aunt Clara used to give him mice to play with, but eventually stopped because he kept accidentally killing them. So basically he's a big sweet guy who really doesn't know his own strength and re- this he's repeatedly got, he's gets got into trouble. He's got a heavy touch. Yeah. yeah. He's got a heavy touch with marsupials. And it, yeah. And it gets him into trouble a lot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he's got big bulky hands and he doesn't know how to use them. He's got big meaty digits. <laughs> <laughs> big meaty digits. Pork fingers. Yeah. <laughs> well, I sit down to have some beans. On the campfire, and Lenny asks for ketchup to go with his dinner, despite knowing that there isn't any. And George cracks it. He lectures Lenny about being ungrateful and complains about the trouble that Lenny causes him and that his life would be easier if he just left his friend behind. Are we still in chapter one? Still yeah. in chapter one. Okay. There's a lot of a uh, lot of setup in the first one. Uh, it's revealed that they were chased out of town in the last town they worked in, a place called Weed, because Lenny touched a young girl's dress. He was fascinated by the fabric, and even when she screamed, he wouldn't let her go. This caused them to be chased out of town because the locals thought he was some sort of predator and they were lucky to escape without being killed. So basically, George is telling Lenny, you get me into lots of trouble. So, Sounds like Lenny's yeah. very tactile. Mm. Yeah. He's, a bit, he's sort of a, I guess he's kind of a gentle giant, but then also he accidentally kills things a lot. In the 2018 yeah. remake, Lenny's going to have a fidget spinner. And <laughs> yes. Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. Just give him a fidget yeah. spinner. That's all he needs. <laughs> Put a bit of mouse fur on top of it and he's, he's good for a day. He just loves stroking fabric. I like how they get into the backstory early, though, because I was wondering, You're like, what yeah, are they doing? Why are these two Why is this misfits? Great man? Yeah, Do we need to know around. any of the historical context of the time? Is that relevant? Well, back at the time, so they're, they're, they're sort of travelling migrant this workers, is they're referred to as. Pre-Second World War. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and they're travelling migrant workers, so basically they, they travel from ranch or farm to farm. Usually they keep to themselves. So it's actually mentioned many times in the book that it's strange that these two grown men stick together because everyone else is basically a loner. lone rangers. Yeah, totally. Mm. And I haven't figured out if this is a comedy or a drama yet. It ain't no comedy. Right, okay. It's getting, it's going to go dark. It's going to go full dark. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I should say that. Just the comic part of it with the mouse, finding the mouse, and the, there was the a bit of a mouse. there's a bit of an Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito d- oh, dynamic twins. from Twins. <laughs> was that maybe the John Malkovich was going too much for the Twins vibe? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm just a lovable dumb guy. <laughs> anyway, so George gets angry about the sauce. He yells at him, but then he feels remorse for his outburst because Lenny starts crying and apologising and offers to leave 
and go and live in a cave on his own. Oh, so remorse George. for the source. Remorse <laughs> for the source. <laughs> <laughs> got to get a hashtag going for that. <laughs> so Lenny's very upset now. So George calms him down by retelling him their master plan. It's another okay. frequent part of the book. Uh, to work hard together and then one day own their own farm where they're their own bosses and where they can, quote, live off the fat of the land. Mm. Land, yeah. That's uh, Lenny keeps saying that. Unlike all the other workers, as I said, who are loners, these two will stick together and make a life together. Lenny's heard the story many times and is very excited, particularly about one day owning furry rabbits. See, tactile again. Yeah. He likes the fur. That he'll get to look after. That's all he cares about. He keeps talking about the rabbits. Yeah, he rabbits. probably might kill the rabbits, though, with those strong, porky hands of his. <laughs> Pork fingers. <laughs> Keep them away. Like so a tiny little rabbit probably can't handle that. Send him out to Australia where the rabbits went wild. And yeah, true. Yeah, he could, he millions could really of them. help yeah. the feral rabbit yeah. problem. Help, help a farmer out. Just grab a rabbit. <laughs> oh, but this story in the dream really cheers up both men and before they go to sleep, George tells Lenny to remember the area that they're currently camping in and if any trouble goes down like it did back in Weed, Lenny should hide here and wait for George to come and get him. Mm. He makes Lenny repeat the, the emergency plan over and over again to make sure he remembers. So that is our opening chapter. Okay. How are you feeling? I'm I'm very clear on what Lenny Lenny's doing there. Lenny is a bit of a lost soul. He needs somebody to guide him through life. Yeah. I'm I'm still stuck on George George's motivation and George's backstory. Does George have a dark past that's forced him into this life on the land or is he enjoying having a power play and and almost having a pet in Lenny? Mm. Or That's is my he, question. Or does he just have a very good heart and goes, this person needs help and I'll no one else is going to help him so I can help him? No, I, I don't think it's that. Yeah, because yeah, he gets so easily frustrated with him and mm. um, he seems a bit self-focused. What have I told you that it's a combination of all three of those Great. things? Great. Okay. My instincts are correct. Yeah, Totally. And we'll discover a bit more about George as we go through. So the second chapter. If I think, if I wonder if one of these two characters are going to die by the end, I'm going to guess Lanny's going to die. Put money on that. What about you? Oh, you know. I've seen the film. Yeah, okay. He's seen John Malkovich. It's a yeah. fantastic role. <laughs> I wonder if he wasn't nominated for an Oscar or anything. I don't think he was for this one. It sounds like it's. this is the role. Too hard. You'd get the role because it's a very famous, especially in America. Yep. And you'd be like, I can play this character and I, it's. Almost, it's Oscar bait kind yeah. of thing. Oh, like, that is full Oscar bait. Like Billy Bob Thornton in Sling Blade as well didn't get the Oscar. Have you seen Sling Blade? Yeah, and he also wrote and directed that though. Yeah. Is... Some people call it Gaza Blade, I call it Sling Blade. <laughs> that's, his, that's how he talks oh. about it. It's really good. <laughs> so the next morning they, uh, the two men arrive for work on the ranch and they go to the fairly bleak bunkhouse where they'll be sleeping during their employment. There they meet old man Candy. It was a one-handed... Played by John Candy. Candy. <laughs> <laughs> also who has big dick energy. Yeah. <laughs> Every character does in this book. It's very competitive. <laughs> no, old Man Candy is the one-handed handyman that works on the farm. Oh, how did he lose his hand? Lost his hand in a farming accident. And they've, they've kept him on. But he throughout the book he is worried that he will soon be fired. Because he's, he's got one hand. He's got one hand and he's quite old as well. So he, mm. So he lives there. I will only picture this man as John Candy. <laughs> <laughs> a one-handed John Candy. Yeah. 
Uh, he's accompanied by his ancient dog, a very, very old sheepdog. Uh, George and Lenny then meet the owner of the ranch, who was annoyed that they are very late. They said they were, they were supposed to come the day before. George bluffs and says a bus driver dropped them further away than he said that he would. Really, Good they wanted bluff. they wanted to have one more night camping, so they didn't have to work the long weekend. <laughs> Good bluff. Yeah. They wanted to start with a bit of a rest. I'd do that one. I'd pull that move. But weren't they walking there? So this is 1937, so there's no phones to call them up and say, hey, no. we're going to be here this day. So you re- you've written a letter. So probably lettered ahead and lettered, sent a letter ahead of them and then they did get dropped off by a bus Yeah, and then they were going to oh, walk okay. to the ranch. But I think he said that the driver gave us a bit of a bum steer and said it was only, you know, a, a short walk but it was ages. Mm. Basically, they don't want to wait the long weekend. Uh, the boss asked them about their history and George tries to speak for Lenny but then Lenny forgets their plan and starts speaking and George starts to become really nervous. The farm owner finds this suspicious and asks George why he's looking out for the big guy. Again, most of the travelling farmers travel alone, so he's like, what's going on here? And he says, are you speaking for this guy because you're keeping some of his money? Is that uh-huh. are you using him? And he's like, no, George tells the boss that Lenny is his cousin was and was kicked in the head by a horse when he was young, so George has to look out for him. This is actually a lie. But he just says that to sort of impress the boss. And whilst the boss is still a bit suspicious, he warns George not to try anything smart with him before they are assigned to a, a team on the farm, so bailing hay. George is just trying to do a good thing, helping someone out who yeah. has a bit of a learning disability and now he's in trouble for it. Yeah, and everyone's like, there's got to be something here. Is You're this dodgy. for money? Yeah. yeah. Everyone's mm. sus of it. I suppose it just really just shows I'm how... I'm a bit sus on George. But it does, I guess it just shows how nearly every other character is just a loner. Yep. Mm, that's true. It's a lonely place out there in oh. California. It sounds like a very, very horrible place to live. Mm, lone rangers <laughs> out in the out in the west. I think I know why you were thinking of Arnold Schwarzenegger because he was the governor of California, and so <laughs> you look true. Yes. <laughs> oh, and I mean, Danny DeVito is always on my mind. Yes. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> always, always. <laughs> Now it's time to meet our antagonist. They meet the owners. Hang on, the antagonist is the villain, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So okay. he's, we're about to meet the villain. He Do is we the... think Lenny is the protagonist? I think the protagonist is not necessarily the George hero, but Lenny? just the person who propels the story along. Right. Okay. And it, the story is told by sort of a in a, a narrator. Right. An unnamed narrator. George and Lenny went to the shops. Yeah. 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 Then they drank milk. Then Lenny killed a mouse. <laughs> <laughs> then they drank more milk. Lenny asked for sauce. <laughs> so we meet the owner's the owner's son. This is the antagonist. His name is Curly. Mm. Good names in the book. It's a bad yeah, boy. great names. Yeah. There's many of them that begin with C. Okay, well, there's a few Candy more. Candy right. Curly. Yep. Are there any women in this book? There is one. It's woman. called of mice and men, not of mice <laughs> and men and some women. <laughs> There's definitely more mice and men yeah, than women, women in the whole book. <laughs> I mean, the title is accurate. <laughs> there was a young girl who thought she got assaulted. Is that the character? Yeah, yes. Yeah. So she women... doesn't speak naturally. No. <laughs> the good news is that women do exist in this world. Okay. It's not some dystopian okay. man and mice. Every mice for himself. Uh, so they meet Curly. He's an angry ex-boxer who suffers from real small man syndrome. Small dick energy. Totally. <laughs> For absolutely no reason, he immediately tries to start a beef with Lenny, seeing him as a big guy. He wants to prove himself. Oh, it's like prison. Mm. Go up to the biggest guy <laughs> go you to the can biggest guy. and go, yeah. I'm going to take you down so people respect me. 
And when Je- uh, George tries to speak for Lenny, Curly demands that he let the big guy talk. Lenny doesn't want to talk to him. Curly eventually leaves and George tells Lenny to watch himself around Curly because if they fight the boss's son, then they'll definitely get fired. Lenny says he doesn't like this place and wants to leave, but George reminds him of their dream and that to own their farm one day, they must work hard and lay low for a while. So it sort of calms Lenny down a bit. They then briefly meet the only woman in the book, Curly's wife, Mm. who the old man Candy says is a, quote, a bit of a tart. Oh. Let's not put labels on. Hey, Candy. Don't slut shame. (laughs) What's her name again? (laughs) She's never named. Oh. Hello. Referred to as Curly's wife throughout the whole book, which I thought was very. Wow. This is Curly. The old misses the ball and chain. I'm sure that that was a like a a choice to make, but it's um, gotta have been because I'm reading it through and I was like, why are they still referring to her as Curly's wife? Very strange. Can we can we make a guess? Oh, what do you reckon? So he's Curly. She's Anita. (laughs) Anita. Anita, yeah, or Karen. <laughs> if Year 12s or uh, final school yeah. kids are listening to this, they're going to start writing Anita in the exam. <laughs> yeah, so I thought Anita was really like, you know, she represented like the good and bad. I only say that because I was talking to someone called Anita today, that's all. <laughs> I like it. We're going to go with it. <laughs> well, she's called a, uh, a tart by Candy. Uh, she does flirt with some of the men and Lenny comments to George that this woman is, is very pretty. But she does not impress George, who sees her as poison and yet another reason. As they... all women yeah. are. <laughs> the way he immediately goes straight to poison, it, it does feel a bit like he's, I don't know, he's had some, some issues with women in the past. And he sees her as a reason that they might get into a fight or get fired from their jobs again. And all he wants to do is make the money. So he tells uh, Lenny to stay away from Curly and stay away from Curly's wife, Anita. Mm. <laughs> uh, finally, for Anita this... Curly. <laughs> Please. Anita Curley was my mother's name. <laughs> Very strange that I married a man with the same last name as me. Uh, finally for this chapter, Slim. Who's Slim? He's the head rancher. Is he Curly's dad? No. No, no. So he's the... The, the head rancher. Okay. He's basically the one that's in charge. And when they go out working, he's the lead man. Big dick, small dick energy, which... Huge. What are we thinking? Huge dick energy. Yeah. So big. So he... It's like in the film City Slickers, he's the old guy who at the Oscars did the one-arm push-up. That that's, guy. That that's guy, Curly. That was Curly. Curly's his name gold. In City Slickers was, his name was Curly. Do you reckon it was <laughs> a throwback to Of Mice and Men? Do you reckon like, this is like an allusion to yes. Mice and Men? Yeah. yeah. I've only just cottoned on now. Mm. It's a very influential book. Year obviously. 12s, put that in. Yes. <laughs> yeah. This book influenced City Slickers these are, and City Slickers. These Slickers are too. deep insights. Anita did a one-arm push-up. Yeah. That's what we're doing. <laughs> So Slim, he's the head rancher uh, and he comes in to meet his two, two new team members. Everyone respects Slim. He's the most respected person on the farm and he's impressed by the friendship that George and Lenny have. And, uh, I like Slim so far. He's the only one that seems he's impressed by it. Uh, George tells him that even though he's not very smart, Lenny is so big and strong that he can work as much as two men put together. He'll just work and work and work all yeah, day Yeah, basically long. he says he's a really dumb guy but if you tell him what to do and explain how it's done, he'll he'll – He's he, a workhorse. He's, yeah, yeah, honestly, he's the best worker you'll ever see, which actually turns out to be very true. Slim also tells him that his dog has just given birth to nine puppies. Great news. However, he drowned four of them. Bad news. Slim drowned four of yeah, them. Yeah, basically being like, I chose the five biggest, you know, non-runts. 
Yeah. Slither? Oh, he's going downhill in my book quickly. He drowns <laughs> no. puppies. Sl- I know. <laughs> he's a puppy killer. I know. Steinbeck's trying to make us like this guy and he yes. introduced so straight away as a puppy killer. about how I should feel about different characters. Not to keep going back to all the films, but in the film Snatch by Guy Ritchie, he made the evil character in that a dog fighter. Like someone who fights dogs because he thought that makes two dogs fights or actually yeah. fistic, like takes on a pit bull himself. No, but you know how like you know they had those dog fights and like, people bet yeah, on them. people bet on because he thought that's the, the everyone most loves dogs. Thing. Yeah, and so people hate him as soon as they find that out because he's going to make him a pedophile. But I thought no, people prefer Some dogs people love than kids. Pedophiles. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like yeah. but everyone hates dog fighters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is Guy Ritchie. Listeners, this is Guy Ritchie's opinion, not my opinion. Did he do a bit of like market research and like nine out of ten people said they hate pedophiles and the tenth person is like, what's wrong? The dog thing is emotive. Yeah. Yeah. I don't necessarily agree with the pedophile thing, but the dog thing is very emotive. It pulls on your heartstrings because any film where a dog is introduced, I'm like, oh, that poor dog's going to die. I can't watch this film. They're truly at our mercy. Mm. And they say that psychopaths, one of the first signs of a psychopath is that they will harm animals, which is interesting because Lenny kills mice. And Slim just kills four dogs. Yeah. And often psychopaths are likeable at the beginning. Yeah. And they have big dick energy. (laughs) (laughs) All of them. (laughs) We know that for sure. So Slim announces he's got these these puppies. George can see Lenny's interest in his eyes and agrees to ask on Lenny's behalf if he can have one of the new young puppies as his pet mm. because Lenny likes, likes soft fairy things. things. So that's the end of uh, the second chapter. Quick character recap just so basically that's everyone I'm going to talk about. So we've got Lenny. Yep. We know him. Big guy. His friend George. Old man Candy with the one hand. John Candy, if you will. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Xboxer, the tough guy. Tough small man Curly trying to challenge everyone. Sorry, when you said Xboxer, I just thought console. I like yeah, it. Yeah. I will play yeah. Halo against you and I will win. Uh, then Curly's wife. Anita. Anita. Anita Curly. And then Slim, head rancher that everyone respects. But kills puppies. Yeah. <laughs> supposed, to be, supposed to be a respectable guy. So what's the, what's the owner of the rancher's name? Uh, I don't know if they mention his, mention name, his name, okay. or he doesn't really come back. Do yep. we know um, any other actors that were in the movie? I I'm, can't remember. I can't remember. That's I right. watched it so long ago. I watched yeah, it in, yeah, yeah. in like high school. Yeah. I mean, if you want to start casting this, Laura, we got yeah. John Candy already. Who's Curly's okay, wife? Okay, 2018 Curly's, casting. Okay, 2018. I'll put Curly's wife as I'm going to say Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. Okay. Good. Yep. Yep. Curly is going to be James Franco. Nice. I think could he could be, go dark. Could be a bit of an issue trying to get him to work with female actors, but that's fine. Let's do it. Hey, there's yeah, only very one in this true, movie. Actually, yeah. actually, I'm gonna I'm firing James Franco for that reason. Um, let me put in. Do you know who the next person that I thought of? Who? Not Kevin Spacey, please. Casey Affleck, and oh, I was like, oh. no, can't have Casey Affleck either. <laughs> Is everyone in Hollywood a dog? Um, who's um, like? Who's the, who's left? Jack Black. He seems like a great guy. Okay, Jack Black would actually make a great Curly. But I think he's a bit, a bit, bit older. Maybe. Okay. Maybe he could play an old man Candy. They sort of dress him up to make him even older. Yeah. Right. Who's going? Who's going? Who's going to be Lenny? Big guy, Lenny. Um... Who, who's the guy in in um the stripping film? Who's the young guy in the stripping film? What's his name? I know him. He's also, also in from Twenty One Jump Street. Twenty One Jump Street as well. Um, Mike, Magic Mike. 
Imagine oh, Shanning Tatum. Shanning yes. Tatum. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Shanning Tatum. <laughs> he, he, yeah. He's okay. a, he's a, a Lenny. I know he's a good-looking guy, but he also could look simple very easily. Yeah. He's got that kind of all-American kind of oh, hidey ho, how you doing kind of look to him. He he doesn't appear to have much depth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he, he's he's but very big and strong. I think he'd be good, or the uh, uh, Adam Driver, the. The Star Wars guy. He's oh, a big guy too. Yeah, and he would act it really well and he's got that kind of loping um Because they're both big, big guys. Stance. But I don't know who George, who would be a good George. So he's apparently a small man. Small man. Smallish. What about Edward Norton? Oh, well, he would definitely commit to the yeah. role. He'd be great. He's great <laughs> every time. Yeah, I'm going to say Edward Norton for okay, George. So we've got Channing Tatum, Edward Norton, Old Man Candy, possibly Jack Black. <laughs> Uh, just what really about wanted, Slim? I just really wanted him to be in my movie, Jack Black. <laughs> How old do you think Slim is? Uh, probably 40-ish. What about? Um, so confident, confident, charming, probably handsome. So you instantly think, yeah. What about a Gyllenhaal? Yeah. He could be George too, Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, true. So anyway. definitely Jake Gyllenhaal, not Maggie Gyllenhaal. Maggie could be the be the, the tart. <laughs> <laughs> All right, she's in. Sorry, Anne, you're out. Yeah, we'll go, Maggie. Then we do we we don't have actually a curly yet, though, do we? The bad guy. The bad guy. Because everyone um, was a bad guy in real life. Bad guys in real life. Um, So short guy who's got a temper and wants to fight people. Wants to fight people. Um, Ryan from the OC. Get him back acting. All right. Yeah, Ryan from the OC. That's good. We've seen him throw a punch. Yeah, he will be credited. Welcome to the OC, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And that was in California. Yeah. So it's perfect. It makes sense. This is the OC, but 100 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it is. And maybe we should rename Curly's wife to Marissa. Oh, so not Anita. Yeah, I think she should be Marissa. Okay. You can rewrite the rewrite. The film halfway through, you know, the script. Marissa, let's do it. All right, she's now <laughs> Marissa. Chapter three. Welcome to the <laughs> Did he actually say that line? I forgot. First line, he gets punched by uh, Ryan, I think. No, I think, he was Ryan. No, I think Luke, who yeah. was Marissa's boyfriend, he said, welcome oh. to the OC, bitch. Luke has the, the greatest story arc over six episodes <laughs> I've ever seen. He starts off being the villain and then they realise, oh, there's no depth to this. Let's just make him as if he's, I think his dad was his gay. His dad was gay. And so he just switched. So that's as soon why as his he was dad, a bully. Yeah, and as soon as he's. It was out that his dad was gay. He just became. Then he was kind delightful. Of, yeah, just his ex. <laughs> his ex broke up with him and got with Ryan, and then he was like, "All right, yeah, we'll all be friends." And then they got rid of him after one season. Yeah, yeah, but he wasn't. He wasn't very good. Nah. <laughs> Neither was any of the rest of them. <laughs> um, I was going to say Pacey, but it's not Pacey. It's uh. Seth. Seth. Yeah, yeah, but it's the equivalent, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's the Pacey yeah. of it. Yeah. Oh, we should get Pacey into our film. Yeah. <gasps> Hey team, Dave here just interrupting the show to briefly tell you that this week's episode of Book Cheat is brought to you by Audible. Now there's no better place to listen than Audible. Audible has the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet and now Audible members get more than ever before. Each month they get three titles of their choice. That's one audiobook plus two Audible originals and fitness programs that they can't get anywhere else. Right now for a limited time, as a book treat listener, you can get three months of Audible for just six ninety five a month, which is more than half off the regular price. And all you got to do to use this fantastic offer is go to audible.com slash bookcheat or SMS bookcheat 
to 500, 500. Now, you're wondering what Audible includes. Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, and more. And you're listening to this podcast, so you clearly like listening to stuff. So why not listen to Audible? Unlike a streaming or rental service with Audible, you also own your books. One of those books, of course, that you can own is Of Mice and Men. So if you're digging this episode so far and you think you want to hear more of the story, why not try Audible and give Of Mice and Men a crack? And while you're at it, think about giving the gift of Audible to someone on your list. For more, go to audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500. You get a sweet discount and it also lets Audible know that they should keep supporting Bookcheat. So it's win-win. Win! One more time, go to audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500. Now on with the show. Joshua Joshua Jackson. Jackson, He would play someone cool. He would make a good slim. But, I mean, we could make multiple films. I'm going to introduce one more character later on, and I reckon Joshua Jackson. Okay, let's put him on the bench then. Great. I love Joshua. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Jackson. You'll be in, Pacey. Come on. <laughs> so at the end of their workday, George thanks Slim for giving Lenny one of the pups. So he did give Lenny a pup. That's nice. Slim says it's nothing. But George knows it means a lot to his friend. Who He's actually now worried he'll spend all night in the barn playing with the pup. And he's worried that the pup's too young that Lenny won't know his strength again and hurt or kill the dog by accident. <laughs> but he lets him play with it. Georgia opens up to Slim about his history with Lenny. He feels like he can trust trust um, Slim more than anyone else in the, the bunk. He's been looking after his friends since Lenny's aunt Clara died. Lenny is so dumb and trusting that he'll do whatever George says. And when they were younger, George used to take advantage of this and make fun of him. But then one day, to impress some people, he told Lenny to jump in a river. And when his friend, who can't swim, nearly drowned, George felt so bad, he changed his ways and started looking after the big guy. So oh. that's his backstory. George is growing on me. Mm. But now Lenny knows how to swim because he got the dead mouse. In Maybe he one. just waited. Mm, okay. yeah, he's such a big guy. It's <laughs> got to be pretty deep for him to not be above, <laughs> not have his head go below the water. Uh, he also tells Slim of the story of what happened in Weed that made them have to flee their last jobs. Lenny wanted to feel the fabric of a young girl's dress, and when she screamed, he panicked and he wouldn't let go. George kept yelling and yelling at him to let go, but Lenny was just frozen. Eventually, George had to hit him over the head just to make him let go. George and then and Lenny then had to hide before leaving town because an angry mob formed and wanted to lynch Lenny. I like the town of Weed. I like how staunchly they support their women. I reckon they were more into just wanting to lynch something than, than supporting <laughs> yeah. this woman. Oh, this mob was just looking for someone yeah. to lynch yeah. and they heard a kid scream. They were like, oh, we're yeah. on. Here we go. Some other towns around that time wouldn't give a crap if a woman's dress got grabbed. True. That say she's a tart. They wouldn't like even Marissa. give her a name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They wouldn't give her a name. Well, she doesn't have a name in this. No, it's, uh, it's amazing. But she's now Anita slash Marissa. Mm. Uh, one of the old, uh, the other ranchers, 
Carlson, this is our new character, Josh, a possible Josh Joshua Jackson. Ja- Jackson. JJ. JJ, uh, Badger's old man Candy, the one-armed John Candy, about his old dog, saying that it smells and being in deaf and blind, he should put it out of its misery. Candy says that he can't do it because he's had the sheepdog since it was just a pup and it's been such a good dog to him. Carlson keeps badgering Candy and even offers to shoot the dog himself. Candy keeps saying no until Slim, the leader of the group, agrees that the dog should be put down and out of its misery. Before that, Candy didn't want to do that, but then sort of Slim turns the tide against that. And in one of the saddest scenes of the book, Candy very reluctantly eventually agrees and Carlson, Joshua Jackson, takes the dog out. Quite a bit of time passes in complete silence before a shot is heard and old man Candy turns on his bunk to face the wall. It's very sad. That's really sad. And also Slim likes killing dogs. Yeah, that's five He's got so a history far. of it. It's <laughs> five and he's given one to some guy who's killed a mouse. So. Yeah, yeah right. he wants to get rid of dogs. Yeah. <laughs> yes, dogs. Oh, no. So that's that's a very, very sad moment. That is sad. And also Carlson, why he's so eager to kill this dog. He's so eager. He keeps badgering him and like sort of bullies him into it. And you know, just stay Candy's out of like, your business that isn't your own. He keeps saying it smells, and it smells in here because of that dog. You got to get rid of it. And then, are yeah. they sleeping in a barn? It's no, it's sort of like a, a. I think it's a rectangular room with a couple of windows, and then there's just bunk beds everywhere. So it's pretty filthy it's in there in anyway. A room full of men. It's going to stink. Totally. Yes. <laughs> well, George yeah. freaks out when he arrives because he sees his bunk has lice powder next to it, and he's like. Did the last guy have lice? Yeah. They're like, oh, no, no. He was just so clean, he put that there just in case. <laughs> he doesn't believe that. No. But, yeah, it's horrible, isn't it? It's filthy. It's got bed bugs. They work all day. They don't bath. Yeah. Uh, then the angry Xboxer and son of the boss, Curly, our bad guy, comes in looking for his wife. And he hears that the cool leader of the group, Slim, has gone out to the barn. Curly is always very jealous and suspicious of everyone. And he runs out thinking that they are having an affair. And everyone leaves, hoping that they'll see a fight. Yeah. Everyone leaves except George, Lenny, and old man Candy, who's still very depressed on his bunk. Mm. Lenny gets George to tell him about the rabbits and the farmhouse dream again, and Candy overhears and offers to go in on the deal with the two other men. George is pissed off and rebuffs him at first, but Candy explains that he lost his hand in a farm accident and he got a payout, and he's got a little bit of money that he could put towards paying for the farm so they could go move there a lot quicker. Get them started. Yeah, they all agree to go in and out together, but to keep the deal a secret from everyone else. It's like Survivor. Mm. Yeah, They're forming an alliance. Yeah. <laughs> Don't form an alliance on Survivor with a one arm man. That's <laughs> yeah, it's true. You've got to go with physical strength. Yeah. Mm. Well, Lenny, he's strong. Yeah, that's true. And you yeah, can convince true. him to do whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, outwit, outplay Lenny. Yeah. Easy. Lenny, if this was Survivor, Lenny would get taken to the final three. Yeah. Then he'd get boot, booted out in the final three. And they always do that dumb one where you've got to have your arm up in the air for ages. Yes. And, and Candy's out of that one. Are you a Survivor fan? I love Survivor. I yeah. love Survivor you guys too. Big, so I want oh. to talk about that hand up in the air because I always find that to be the most boring challenge it to is. watch. Yeah. There's but, nothing exciting about it. But I think that they've done it so many times now. You're like, oh, this is going to be good. You can yeah. see. And now they actually mic up the people who are out early. So you f- figure out what they're talking about. Do you about know what outcome. happened oh. in the most recent one, right? Because they changed that challenge slightly, the one that ended not that long ago, right? In Instead of having their hand up on a pole, they had to be on a pole with their legs and their arms holding on to sort of small bits that were jutting out and they couldn't 
released. They were sort of like cramped up on this pole and they weren't allowed to take any of their hands or feet off the pole, right? And so they were doing it and it was down to two people and it was this guy who was, he was the villain and everyone hated him and he was really sexist and horrible. But his wife was watching, right, because the family by that point were watching them, right? And you just really wanted him to lose and he'd started taunting the other woman to try and psych her out and being like, you know, you're going to mess this up and you're getting tired and that <laughs> Trash kind of talking thing. whilst yeah. right? cramped on a pole. Yeah, exactly. Tough guy. He was trash talking her but you could tell that he was getting really, really tired, right? And then he had a hat on and he, he took his hat off, right? And his wife goes, Brian, you took your hat off like that. But he didn't realise because he'd gone crazy from being on the pole for so long. He didn't realise that taking his hat off meant that he'd taken his arm away from the pole. And she goes, Brian, you took your hat off like that. And he's like, what do you mean like that? And then Jonathan LaPaglia goes, Brian, you have taken your hat off. (laughs) You have taken your arm away from the pole. That means you have lost this challenge. And he just goes like that and falls into the water. It was brilliant. So this is Brian Lake, the footballer. Yeah, yeah, I hated him. And he and his wife, have, I think they've, they've split up now. since, yeah. and I think it was because he took the hat he off. Took the hat off. <laughs> you never take the hat off. Yeah, that's Robert Downey Jr.'s other rule. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> what are you doing? Anyway, sorry to sidetrack on no, Survivor. No, no. This is uh, I could talk about Survivor. I could talk about Survivor all day. Stop spin off Survivor podcast. <laughs> yeah. Have you considered it? <laughs> Uh, anyway, so they're, they're talking about they've, they've gone into this secret deal. And they're Cand- forming their alliance. Candy laments that he should have shot his dog himself and not let another man do it. An important moment possibly later in the novel. Ooh. Foreshadowing. <laughs> uh, then Curly comes back in apologising to Slim for accusing him of having an affair. Anyway, he knows he couldn't beat Slim in a fight and that everyone would take Slim's side because they all love him. But he sees Lenny laughing to himself about the dream of the rabbits and he thinks that the big man is laughing at him. So Curly challenges Lenny to a fight and just starts throwing punches at him. What an idiot. Lenny just stands there and doesn't fight back uh, and he just yells, yells to George to make the man stop. He says, make him let me alone, George. George uh, tells Lenny that he must fight back and after yelling at Lenny many, many times, who's now covered in blood because he's been punched in the, in the nose and in the eyes, George... Yells at him to fight back heaps and heaps, and when he finally does, without any effort at all, he grabs Curly's hand as it's about to punch him, and it, he just won't let go. He completely crushes Curly's hand, and Curly stands there struggling and starts crying until eventually Lenny finally lets it go. Lenny yells, I didn't want to. I didn't want to hurt him. Curly is whisked off. He just off. wants to hurt mice. Yeah. <laughs> I only hate mice. <laughs> Slim's like, I killed six dogs. <laughs> I'm a dog killer. <laughs> they all, they've all got their own thing they like to kill. Uh, Curly's whisked off to the doctor before, uh, because every bone in his hand is absolutely crushed. Wow. But not before agreeing with Slim that he'll tell his father that, he's, that his hand was caught in a machine and not damaged by Lenny. Mm. Curly is told that he'll be a laughing stock if the truth gets out, that a man could just easily grab his hand and make him start crying. Lenny is upset because he thinks he's blown his chance to look after the rabbits on the farm, but George assures him that he still can. This is toxic masculinity right here. It is toxic masculinity. He's just like Curly is just a... A dick who a wants dick. to throw his weight around because he thinks he's got some power. And he's a, he's addicted to drama because he needs to compensate for his mm. tiny dick. Like, honestly, these men are pathetic. 
they are toxic masculinity. I think would be a good theme. It would be a good title. Yeah. <laughs> of mice and men and toxic of masculinity. Of mice and masculinity. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Saturday night rolls around and everyone in the bunkhouse goes into town to party except Lenny and old man Candy. That's in the bunkhouse anyway. Uh, Lenny goes and intrudes uh, on the black stable hand, a man named Crooks, because he sees his light on. Crooks isn't allowed to set foot in the white man's bunkhouse and has to sleep in a room on his own in the stable. He tells Lenny about the racism and exclusion he receives on the farm, basically saying, "What you can't come into my room because I can't go into your room. Yeah. And tells mm. him about all the things. He's not allowed to play cards with them or do Double any of this standards. stuff. Lenny, but Lenny doesn't st- understand any of this and he just innocently keeps talking about rabbits. Mm. First, Lenny doesn't see colour. Totally. Mm. In fact, in the, in the whole book, he's really the only non-racist one. Mm. At first, Crooks doesn't want Lenny to be around him, but eventually he kind of warms to him and invites him. I think he realises, oh, this guy is not racist. He's well-natured, except for killing mice. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Old man Candy comes in too. The first time in all the years he's worked on the farm that he's visited Crooks' rooms. They've worked together for possibly decades, but they've never hung out before. Mm. Candy tells the stable hand Crooks about their dream to own a farm. He's not supposed to talk about the dream. Yeah. Promised George he wouldn't, but Candy, he's sort of bragging to Crooks about how he's going to mouth shut. How he's going to get away from its, uh, this place soon. Crooks doubts their dream and says it will never come true. It starts belittling them about that. But when he hears that they've got a little bit of the money required, he offers to work for them for free if it happens. So basically, he wa- everyone wants to leave this situation. They mm. every time they he- see a ticket to get out of there, they immediately jump on it. Mm. So he wants to work for George and Lenny and Candy, even though he's not met. Oh, he has met George. They've worked together on the field already. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, because it's sometimes it's better the devil you know than the one you don't know. That's right. No, I think they would have done that. I <laughs> don't want to work for a one-hour man and <laughs> yeah. some guy who crushes mice and mm. some guy you've never met. I suppose that shows just how badly he's treated. Yeah. He'll, he'll take anything. Shows his situation. He'll take anything. Oh, by the way, he's, he's nicknamed um, Crooks because he's got a crooked back because of a, an injury that he suffered. Well, They're not very you might nice. not even give him a job, really, no, <laughs> yeah. for free. Well, that's why you offered to work for free. Basically, get me out of here. Uh, then Curly's wife appears out of nowhere, Anita slash Marissa. Marissa. <laughs> she really startles the guys. Welcome to the OC, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that's her opening line. Uh, they know her violent husband Curly is suspicious of her cheating and ask her to leave them alone so they can avoid any trouble. But she stays and tells them of her dislike for her violent husband and says she is very lonely. Loneliness, another key theme Mm. of this novel. Nearly every character feels isolated. Many of them actually reach out without actually making real real friendships with each other. But they always confess their loneliness. Except George and Lenny, they have a real friendship. They're the only two that really stick together Mm. or like each other at all. Mm. Uh, She inquires about Curly's hand injuries and knows the boys are covering something up because she notices Lenny's facial injuries. Old man Candy tells her to get out and leave them alone and she shuts him down. He tells her about their dream to own a place and says he doesn't care what she thinks. But they end up fighting and Crooks tells her to go and she puts him in his place by threatening him and calling him the N-word. She 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 pretty much, not even vaguely, implies that she could have him lynched at any moment and he immediately retreats. So, they love a lynching. They love a lynching. lynching. Any excuse. Let's go out, have a lynching. So if you were feeling sorry for her... That's Don't. her showing her true colours there. Uh, Curly's <laughs> wife disappears just as the rest of the men arrive back from town. They hear them coming back. George comes in to check on Lenny and Candy starts talking about the rabbits again and George is annoyed that Crooks, the stable hand, now also knows their secret plan. It's gone from two to three and now four this people know This is blowing yeah. way out of control. 
As Candy leaves, Crooks withdraws his offer to work on their imaginary farm, yelling, I wouldn't want to go to no place like that. Basically, he's been put in his place by, uh, by Curly's wife and now he, he decides he doesn't want to hang out with any of them ever again. Mm. Probably fair enough. Mm. Uh, the next day, the uh, group of men uh, play a game of horseshoes on their Sunday. I think it's when you show throw horseshoes at a stick on the ground. Can I just go yeah. back one like bit? Quits. Yeah, with, sure. with crooks, the, when this was written, yes, people had very different views about black people back then. Absolutely. Do you reckon that was meant to be? I see. He isn't to be trusted. He turned his back so far. Like he wouldn't have been a sympathetic character by going, "Ah, oh, I don't want to work for you anyway." No, I think actually he is written as a sympathetic character because okay. he does he does go into detail about all the 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 racism that he receives on the farm. Yeah, about how he's a hard worker and he's not allowed to go in and into the bunkhouse at all. They he can horseshoes is the only game he's allowed to play with the men because he, it's outside and he's not even allowed to go into their farm. So I think it actually is sort of in a way showing that Lenny's the only one that isn't racist. Yeah. Mm. And actually, Of Mice and Men, it's a very popular book for children to read or, you know, kids to read in high school. It's also one of the most banned books, I think, because of a lot of the language and because it does use the N-word a lot. Yeah. But, I mean, if you didn't use the N-word and people like yeah. people were using it back then, yeah. so it would be kind of like brushing the racism and the history yeah. under the rug. So Absolutely. you got to keep it in there because that's what happened to people. You need to know that the N-word was used. Yeah. Totally, yeah. Yeah. For some people to Don't see. Don't use it. But know that it was used. There's also a bit of, uh, you know, sexual language. They go, they go to brothels, that kind of stuff. I'm calling terms. Marissa a tart. Yeah, so there's stuff like that, and I think they're like, ban the book. I don't care that it's teaching people, you know, but it's moral historic. lessons. Yeah, but yeah, it's one of the most banned books. There you go. Wow, we're I a pretty like dangerous podcast here at Bookshare. Yeah, maybe Mind Kampf should be <laughs> <laughs> on that list. <laughs> <laughs> While uh, other men play a game of horseshoes on their Sunday, as I said, Lenny uh, sits inside the barn with his puppy, which Aww. has now died. How? Sorry. Who killed the puppy? He's been too rough and accidentally killed it. But he's still playing with it. He's worried George won't let him look after the rabbits now. He sits there stroking it, asking it why it had to die. Why you got to go get killed? You ain't so little as mice. I didn't bounce you hard, he says to the poor dog. There are a lot of animals being killed in this. I know. It's like Milo and Otis. It is like Milo and oh, Otis. Too soon. But Milo and Otis really happened. <laughs> <laughs> the scene in Milo and Otis where the cat Down falls the over waterfall. the waterfall. <laughs> <laughs> Take so, 13. So Quiet on the set. <laughs> Being the owner of one of those cats too. Oh, we're going to be in the movies. Oh, can you imagine if they chuck a cat over the waterfall and someone's phone goes off, and then this cat has died for no, like none, right. no cat should have died, but that take was just like was destroyed. Yeah, or just like the lighting wasn't right. All right, do it again. Well, do it again. Come and, had to come and tell the owner. Look, yeah. the cat died, but it looked really good. Can we yeah. use that vision? The cat really committed to the yeah. role. Okay. This is fictional animals being killed, though. That's right. So. Sadly, the dog has died. He's now worried that George won't let him tend to the rabbit, so he decides to hide the dog in the hay in the barn. To but be then... honest, I don't think he should be tending to the rabbits. No. He really shouldn't. <laughs> Not at this point. But he... porky hands can't be trusted. <laughs> <laughs> he realises George will know he's lying anyway. He then thinks that maybe George won't mind after all, as the pup didn't mean much to him anyway. 
So he gets the, the dog back out of the hay. He's really going through these stages of grief really mm. quickly. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> denial. <laughs> <laughs> he finally accepts it and he's yeah. just like, well, it's still soft. I'll yeah. keep stroking it. Uh, Curly's wife comes in and startles Lenny, who again tries to hide the pup in the hay, but she notices it. Mm. At first, Lenny refuses to talk to her because George told him not to. He thinks talking to her will get it, get him into trouble. But Curly's wife keeps talking and talking, explaining that all the other men are outside playing horseshoes and that it's okay to have a little chat. Eventually, he yields and she tells him of her isolation and loneliness. She wanted to be a movie star, but her mother wouldn't let her join a travelling show when it was travelling through their town. A talent scout also told her that he'd take her to Hollywood, but he never came back for her. So out of desperation, she married Curly, a man she doesn't like, let alone love. And again, Lenny mostly talks about rabbits. <laughs> so he's a good listener, but then, like, did you understand any of that? I want to touch rabbits. It's just one of those people waiting for their turn to speak, <laughs> yeah, not yeah, taking exactly. anything in. They don't care anything yeah. about your problem. So what should I do? Uh, rabbits? Yeah. Marissa actually sounds very in, in a very similar emotional state to the, the Marissa that was on the OC. Mm. Bitter, lonely, she, she, trapped. Reeks of someone peaking in high school. Yeah. She oh, was right. the, I just expected low, everything yeah, to get better from there. Everything was going to be easy yeah. and then it didn't work out and she doesn't yeah, know what to do. Yeah, she's resting on her looks. Yeah. Yeah. She probably she, married Curly from her high school. He probably would have had it going on as well. He was a boxer at the time, yeah. maybe had a little bit of success, but yeah. then try and get to the big leagues. Mm. If she was in my hometown of Bernie and Tassie, she would have been working in the chemist. That's where all the good-looking girls in my high school went. They really? all worked, worked at the yeah, chemist. Yeah, the chemist would have been a good job, yeah. good They're high still... school job, but you've got to be pretty for it. Yeah. <laughs> Are they still there? I haven't been back for a while to go to the chemist <laughs> when I'm back home. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make that a mission. I want to know. So he talks about rabbits and Curly's wife asks him about his obsess- obsession with rabbits and he explains he just likes feeling soft things with his hands. Oh, hello. Mm. <laughs> Curly's wife said... I've got something soft. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what she says. She says, I like that feeling too, and invites Lenny to stroke her soft hair. Hello. i got something soft. And he really likes it. Like, he really likes it. He likes it so much he grabs onto it really hard and won't let go. Just like the girl Just like the girl in the dress. She panics and starts screaming, and Lenny also panics covering and covers her mouth to silence her. Shit. This is going bad. He panics because he can't let George hear because then he'll stop him from looking after the rabbits. He keeps talking about the rabbits. She's sort of struggling and he's grabbing her harder. The more she struggles, the harder he grabs her and Lenny starts shaking her until she goes limp. Holy crap. Lenny has accidentally broken her neck and she dies. <gasps> the worst this part is, really is dark. because she doesn't really have a name. The tombstone says blank, just the, just the dates. Curly's wife. It says yeah, Curly's Marissa wife. Cooper. <laughs> they ask Curly, what was her name? He's like, I don't know. I don't know it's why I asked. Extra. Should I have asked? Oh, my God. This is oh, this is really bad. Yeah. No. She's dead. Uh, Lenny. Lenny no. realises she's done something very wrong and tries to hide part of her body in the hay. After some time, he reminds himself that he's got to hide in the bush near the river and wait for George. So he runs away. Candy comes into the barn looking for Lenny and discovers the body and immediately tells George. George instantly knows that Lenny must have been responsible. Mm. He wonders out loud that he hopes Lenny will just be arrested and jailed, but Candy says that surely Curly will take matters into his own hand and kill Lenny for killing his wife. Candy picks a weird moment to ask George if the farm deal is still on the table. (laughs) (laughs) So is that farms? Yeah. (laughs) He says, maybe the two of us can just go get a farm together. Yeah. 
That is great. George quietly admits that deep down he knew it would never happen, but that his friend liked hearing about it so much that he too stupidly started believing that the dream could come true. Oh, George has really turned around in my books. You're a fan of George? Yeah. Josh, you would agree? Yes. Well, I, I was always thinking of mm. his heart of gold. Mm. Danny DeVito. Well, who do we settle on? For George? For someone. Jake Gyllenhaal? Is that George? Uh, Edward Norton. Edward okay. Norton. Yeah. yeah. We put Edward Norton in that role. Nice. Yeah. Be a good guy. So Lenny's run off. Uh, George sneaks off to let the others discover the body with Candy so he's able to maintain his own innocence from the crime because he's worried people will say, you did it with Lenny. So he comes in later and is the last one and it looks like he was a long way from the He's like, what's going on here? <laughs> They're like, oh, Lenny's done this. And he's like, what? Upon hearing the news, Curly demands that they find Lenny and kill him. Another lynching. Mm. Curly grabs Probably one that's a bit more deserving, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) Curly can't even shoot him because he's only got one hand that works. Oh, that's candy. That's candy. Oh. (laughs) Curly is very happy to shoot someone. No, but that's Curly's hand's been broken. Oh, actually, you're right. There's two one-handed men. Yeah, Yeah. together. Yeah, yeah, together. You hold the trigger. (laughs) I got it. Uh, Well, Curly grabs his shotgun and says he'll shoot Lenny in the stomach and make him die a slow and painful death. One of the farmers, Carlson, Joshua Jackson, the one that shot the dog earlier, Mm -hmm. he goes into his bunk and looks for his Luger pistol. Oh, yeah, he wants to shoot stuff. Oh, yeah. That's his his kink. He's so into it. Yeah, he's spiteful. Yeah. He goes to look for his Luger pistol, but it's gone, and he says Lenny must have stolen it. So they go after him with one gun. They've got a shotgun. All of the men, including George, go looking for Lenny, whilst old man Candy, the other one ham, man, one, ham one ham's, not John Ham, John Candy. <laughs> John Candy stays behind with the body. Uh, Lenny, we cut to him arriving at the, the bush, waiting to meet George. The river is as beautiful and still as it was at the start of the novel. It's actually described in a very similar way. So we've, we've come yeah. full circle. Yeah. But a symbolism. But there. a lot of yeah. shit's gone down. Yeah. A lot of stuff yeah. has happened. Uh, Lenny speaks to himself and tells himself if George is mad, he can go to a cave and he'll leave George alone to live, to live his own yeah, life. Yeah, because that's what he said to do. Mm. He says, I'll just do that. I don't do that. And then, this is a quote from the book, and then out of Lenny's head there came a little old fat woman. Lenny is now hallucinating. Does this fat woman have a name? <laughs> yes. Actually, there is another female role here. <laughs> the fat, fat woman. Fat woman. <laughs> fat woman in Lenny. Maybe. Maybe Delightful. this. Maybe this can be Jack Black. I really want him in my movie. <laughs> <laughs> He's got range. Uh, no, Lenny is hallucinating, and he sees his aunt Clara. Oh, that's the fat woman. Okay. Uh, she begins to berate him in Lenny's own voice. So basically, he's talking to himself. Mm. He's, she's telling him off for letting George down again. After arguing with her, with her, she disappears and instead a giant rabbit appears, also hallucinated. Mm. It says, tend rabbits, you crazy bastard. You forget them and let them go hungry. The rabbit tells Lenny that George will beat him and leave him when he finds him. But Lenny denies this and starts yelling out George's name for help. The real George arrives on the scene ahead of the other men because he knew where he was going to be. And Lenny is surprised that George isn't actually mad at him. George is sympathetic. But I'm also just wondering, I just want to back up a second. Yes. In the movie, how did they do the the rabbit and the and fat Auntie Clara? I think it was. Was it, it yeah, I can't, it's like been a so ghostly long. see-through? Well, they put like just a filtery, grainy. Yeah. 
I know it wasn't like in um, Donnie Darko. It wasn't someone in a suit, but I, yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> I can't remember. It's been so Imagine long. Imagine if it was the Donnie Darko. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's berating him. Yeah. <laughs> oh. You thought you were going to tend to rabbits? <laughs> oh, then you're not as cute as I thought. <laughs> okay, sorry, keep going. So George jo- isn't angry. No, George isn't mad at him. Lenny even asked George to give him hell like he usually does when he makes a mistake. But George, even, he just pretends to be mad and mutters woodenly, if I was alone, I could live so easy, basically going through the motions of pretending to be mad at him. Lenny is surprised but still offers to go off in the hills, but George says, no, I want you to stay with me here. He reminds Lenny that they are different because unlike every other worker, they stick together. Mm, that's nice. George gets Lenny to take off his hat and feel the cool breeze along the river. Oh, you've taken off your hat, Is he Lenny. preparing him for death because he knows that they're coming? Like he's just giving him one last final <laughs> Sorry, sweet moment. The survivor thing. My survivor reference. Oh, I missed hat, that. Lenny. I'm sorry. I'm too deep in it. You've t- oh, that would have been so good if I got that. The listeners, hopefully, you'll get it. Oh, and I talked over it. Oh. Sorry. That, was, that was really good. Thanks. Thanks. But Lenny, come on, you've taken off your hat. Taken off your hat. The men are coming with their Now we're going to have to have a divorce. <laughs> that was perfect. Thanks. Wow. So he gets him to take his hat off, fill the cool breeze. George hears the other men are approaching, but calmly tells Lenny to look across the river so he can see this their dream farmhouse. Really sad. As George will describe it to him one last time. As he starts to tell Lenny about the farmhouse, with Lenny looking straight ahead, George. Whilst Lenny's looking across the river, pulls the Luger gun quietly from his side pocket. Lenny didn't take the gun. George himself did whilst the others were discovering the body. George keeps describing the farm to Lenny as he intently listens on. Lenny is confused and says, I thought you was mad at me, George. George replies, no, Lenny, I ain't mad. I ain't never been mad. And I ain't now. That's a thing I want you to know. George raises the gun as he hears the voices getting closer and closer. And Lenny begs him, let's do it now. Let's get that place now, the farm. George says, sure, right now, I got her, we got her. And with that, he raises the gun for the final time, steadies himself and shoots Lenny in the back of the head. Lenny dies instantly. That is such an act of compassion. No. Did you say no? Or you no, said, I said I, I know. know. <laughs> People actually also challenge this because it um, possibly encourages euthanasia. Oh, really? Yeah, some people complain about I thought you were going to be right. those okay. guys going, I can see that a point. shot in the back of the head wouldn't kill you straight away. You've got to go up underneath the jawline. <laughs> right. Remember those guys at school used to be like, no, couldn't. if you want to actually kill someone, you, got to, you can't punch them in the nose. It takes them right up. Yeah. That's yeah. such a good so, so, so many of those guys. <laughs> Welcome to the OC, bitch. Yeah. Yes, it's the same, it's the same dude. So but I'm so sorry to say, Lenny. I get the, I get the argument. Sorry to interrupt. I get the argument about euthanasia, but also... This is a fictional world and we're, we're following yeah. a story and we're looking for themes here as well and we're looking for callbacks. Yeah. And I think this is a perfect callback to the, to the thing with the dog, Candy and the dog. And it, it also promotes discussion. The book is not saying this is the right thing to do. It's saying yeah. this is what happened and yeah. then we yeah. discuss what it, is it good, is it bad and all the grey area in between. Yeah. Yeah, Which I people totally forget these agree. Days. And, that's the, and that's the debate around euthanasia as yeah. well. Yes. You talked about something, you have that opinion. It's like, no, that's not how it is. Yeah. But also just bringing it up doesn't at, mean yeah. if I, you take euthanasia out of the question, the the intention that George had was of of 
extreme compassion. Oh, absolutely. Imagine that decision too. What do yeah, mean? yeah. So, you know, heartbreaking, but so compassionate. So Lenny's last uh, last moments could have been a bunch of angry men all yelling at him and then killing him and doing something, maybe torturing him, mm. or his best friend doing it without him even him knowing. knowing. Yeah, talking yeah. about a nice thing, the farm and the rabbits, <sighs> and then and then doing it that way. And right. so you go, well, this is the right decision in this. Of those two, if they're the only two options, George has done the right thing. I'll tell you who's got the biggest dick in this whole story is George. George, the small man. Big yeah. dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in another subtitle of the book. <laughs> small man, big dick. So in summing up my essay. Uh, <laughs> Put that in, guys. It was really George who had the big dick energy. In conclusion, at the end. <laughs> So it's just a tiny bit more. So the other mm-hmm. men arrive and Carlson, the owner of the Luger, questions George, who lets them believe that he wrestled the gun from Lenny and then shot him with it. Right. Because George is kind of like risking yeah. a little bit here too because they'll be angry at George. Yeah. So he just says, basically they say, oh, did he have the gun and you wrestled it? And he said, yes, that's what happened. The leader of the farming group, Slim, is the only one who seems to understand. He says, you had a George. I swear you had a." He knows he saved Lenny from a much more painful and brutal death. Just like Candy told George he shouldn't have let another man shoot his dog, George didn't allow a, the group to lynch and hurt his best friend. Of course, by this point, George is absolutely numb and can barely speak. The last line of the book is Carlson watching George and Slim as they walk away, and he says to Curly, Now what the hell you suppose is eating them two guys? But he'll never understand Yeah, that. those guys will never get it. Yeah. Mm. There's so much about friendship in this yeah, and about male friendship as well, which is something that's often not really talked about. Yeah. Ma- yeah, and male companionship, which is really sweet. And, yeah, that that George and Slim had a compassionate nature and so that's why in the end they were friends. Yeah, he got it. The other it. two, they he understood. get it. Because, and also he'd explained about Lenny. And, and even though Lenny might have been um, not as intelligent um, or cerebral as the others, he was a bigger man because he he um, he could have that friendship with George even though he killed a woman. Yeah, yeah. I know. That's terrible. I mean, yeah. But the other guys have just arrived and they just see a dead man who's, like, killed a woman. That's all they see. They see a murderer yeah. dead. But then Slim understands that it was beyond his capacity. Yeah. It didn't mean it. It is amazing that none, none of the guys working with him knew that he was, you know, incapable of, you know, not rational thought, but like mm, of mm. like so whatever he whatever disability he had, whatever learning disability yeah. he had, when when they're not going, oh he's he's a he couldn't control person. himself. Yeah, yeah. So. But there you go. It's heavy. It's very, very heavy. Shed but a little so tear many, myself when I read it. Very, so very many little sorry. lessons to be learnt and mm. little things. Themes I like those books like that, and also it's been like obviously influence influential of a lot of other stories after that. Like you going through it, and it's like oh yeah, there is other stuff. There was one that we picked up on before, and yeah, yeah, and it's frequently uh, referenced, parodied, yep. that kind of stuff in popular culture. Well, I like that I know it now. There you go. Now I, I always get so, you guys to review it out of five. Out of five, yep. Oh, based on what you heard here today. I, I, yeah, I, I loved it. I thought it, I'm going to give it. I really f- loved it. Four dead dogs out of five. <laughs> <laughs> you just couldn't quite, get, couldn't quite kill yeah, that fifth dog. I think I'm going to go four dead dogs out of five. It's, it's rating highly because 
while we've been talking about it and you've been describing it, I haven't thought about anything else. Yeah. And that's like tricky for me. I'll often have my mind on something else. You know but else? I've been completely engrossed by it. Not that many pages It's either. not very big. No, a lot it happens. Was... It's very, I will say it's quite a, a very easy read too. A hundred and, Is it? 120 pages. Yeah, that's a lot of, that's a lot of bulk. That's a lot of bang for your buck. A lot happens in that. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I get I would give it a five out of five. I thought it was fantastic. My own the the reason why I've rated it down one point is just for the animal cruelty oh, and the very, violence and I find that very sad women. too. But also, you know, Two these movies these movies they have to have darkness. They, no, these these books they have darkness in them for us to feel things. So gotta be conflict. Yeah. Otherwise yeah. there's no resolution. Not everything is how to lose a guy in 10 days. <laughs> but <laughs> it goodness. <laughs> I was about to say, but it should be. <laughs> Two different uh, opinions there. Now, I really liked it and I would like to put um, uh, The Grapes of Wrath, his other famous novel, now on my, my to-do list on this show just because I would like to see if I enjoyed his writing, uh, Steinbeck's writing style. Yeah, it's very easy mm. to read. It was actually, I, th- I read somewhere that it's, um, and then reading back I was like, that makes sense. Possibly originally was going to be a play. Oh. So there's a lot yeah. of dialogue back and forth here. And you could see it working on the stage as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. East of Eden, I've, uh, my son is into a, a series of books called Dog Man, which okay. is by the guy called, who wrote Captain Underpants. Now, my son is seven, and Dog Man, one of them is based on East of Eden, and also one is based on uh, Lord of the Flies. But East of Eden, there's passages from that, and it makes me cry. Or, Every time I read it, because it's so, like the whole book is just ridiculous. And then there's this really emotive bit about we've got to be good because the world is bad. And that's why we've got to be good. And so East of Eden is another John right, Steinbeck so, book. Okay, I'll put it on the. Ah. Yeah. That's two more on the shortlist. Yeah. Hmm. That's a big fan. That's, and that's that James Dean film as well, one of his. Oh, is it? One of, I think his three films is East of Eden, Giant, and. Wear your glasses, kids. That's what happened to James <laughs> Dean. Too cool to wear his glasses. <laughs> was he? Yeah, he crashed his motorbike because he didn't want to wear his glasses. What no, I think, was, I don't think he was driving a Porsche. Was it his Porsche, was it? Yeah, he was driving, too, I think, driving way too fast. Yeah. Live fast, die young. Mm, what an idiot. Yeah, poor old James Dean. But anyway, so thank <laughs> you so much for, uh, that's the moral of the story, poor old James Dean. It would have been great in this movie. We could have cast him. I, yeah. I imagine he'd be dead now anyway, but still. He would have been a good Kurt, um, George. George? I was going to say. Or good a, Curly, as actually. An old man, Candy. Well, yeah, by now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you know when like, you know, great actors come back, Marlon Brando and stuff, and they play mm. that great I character I reckon role. Jack Nicholson has one good role left in him, and I can't wait to see what it is. He wears sunglasses inside. I can't, I can't deal oh, with I it. I love Jack Nicholson. <laughs> yeah, but he's a grown man who wears sunglasses inside all the time. Grow yeah. up. Him, so. Bono. Come on. <laughs> I reckon Bono's got one good film in him. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime now, Bono. Anytime. But that does bring us uh, to the end of the show. Thank you so much for, for joining me. Have we got, we got any uh, fun things uh, coming up? Josh, every week we can listen to your fantastic podcast, Don't You Know Who I Am? Yeah, listen to that. So Don't You Know Who I Am, get it from iTunes and everywhere else where you get podcasts from. Um, done a whole bunch of live ones, always fun. But by the time this comes out, I'll be back in the studio. So That's right. But then I did hear on one of your more recent episodes, you talking about the possibility of the annual Christmas special. Yes, I'm going to do a Christmas show and all the money for that goes to the Indigenous Literacy Foundation. which Very is Very on theme. Get it, yeah, which is getting uh, books to regional areas and uh, training teachers to go into regional areas and having books in the 
languages of those areas as well so they get them translated so uh, it's a really really good uh, organization and they're very transparent about where all their money goes which Mm -hmm. is also a really good thing as well and also i'm going to start a new podcast very soon with my friend jess mcguire oh cool it's called 100 pod and it's we review all the 100 hits volume series of cds That's great. Yeah, and so we just listen to the songs and give our opinions on the songs and also what was happening in the world when those songs came out and what happened with that artist and all that Will kind of stuff. Will you venture into So Fresh? Yeah, we might do, but there's 25 of these and it's right. two two episodes per CD. We do side A, side B. Yeah. All right, so you've got at least a year's worth a le- there. A year's worth. Oh, we were going really we, we to do Hottest 100s and 10 songs an episode and then we found out that someone already does that. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, very exciting. So uh, keep an eye out for that, I yeah. imagine. Yeah. It's and how about yourself, Laura? What Cool stuff coming up maybe um, next year? Are you doing any festivals or anything? No, no. I'm taking a little bit of a break from stand-up at the moment, but I'm enjoying myself all the same. Um, keep uh, posted. I've, I'll have a new podcast coming out soon as well, actually. Oh, hot yeah. scoop. Yeah, actually, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, me and uh, Geraldine Hickey, another comedian, we've, we're – We've been working on a new podcast called Jez and Laura's Sleepover. Oh, nice. Yeah, where we basically have a sleepover. <laughs> Very fun. And do you have any <laughs> – This is an excuse for you guys to sleep at each other's houses every week. snacks. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. Is that any sort of possible release date for that or just keep your eyes peeled? Oh, we've recorded a couple and we'll keep doing a couple more and then bring it, bring it out, I'd say, so maybe a couple of months. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Sweet. All right, thank you very much. And for those at home, you can get in contact with me anytime, bookcheatpod at gmail.com if you want to email me or suggest a book. You know, if you've got some some sort of exam or something coming up, even uh, yeah. you're reading this for next year, let me know. I'll try and tackle it for you. Uh, you can uh, follow us at bookcheatpod on all the social medias, do the usual stuff. Uh, but until next week, I will say thank you for listening and goodbye. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.